Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, everyone. This is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019, and welcome to episode number 691, nine episodes away, ladies and gentlemen, from the big 700 of the Mothership Broadcast of the WCWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. This is the one and the only WCWS Revolution. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Henshaw back on the line here with you as we get set to talk about our favorite subject of all time, that being, of course, professional wrestling. <clears throat> first off, we'll, first we will start things off with our wrestling news and views here segment, which will be brought to us by our 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team, King Ice. Of course, as always, represented by the Iceman, J.D. Jared D. Girolamo. J.D. is a 2015 WWS, 15 and 17, excuse me, WWS Hall of Famer, and also a part of the team that brings you WWS Raw Radio every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. <clears throat> For tonight's wrestling uh, history and birthdays, of course, we once again turn will, will be turned to the man uh, who takes care of that for us. Of course, the human suplex machine, John Gross. John, of course, is in the talk to you chat box tonight. He is the first 2016 WWS Hall of Famer and also another part of the Raw Radio broadcast team every Monday afternoon right here on TalkShoe.com. Before we go any further with our itinerary for tonight, let's welcome JD and John to what should be a uh, USDA choice explosive and and something much more something much more tougher to take Superman down than Kryptonite Dynamic, episode six ninety one of Revolution. Good to be here. Thank you very much, sir, JD. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, tonight our group t- our live video feed excuse me comes from the group of course started by a WCWS veteran, we should say, uh, of course, Miss Sarah Elizabeth Martin. Um, hopefully, you can get a chance to hear from her here really, really soon. 
Of course, the group is entitled Ambrose Rollins Reigns Shield News. And if you care to join us for our live video feed here tonight for episode 691 of Revolution, please feel free to join us there at facebook.com forward slash groups. Forward slash oh, uh, well, we've got Shield Dina. Okay, <clears throat> and I'm not sure what that was, but from that, that was that was pretty interesting. Whatever that was, uh, but I do see a couple of folks have already joined us there tonight. I do see Mr. P Peter Altoff. I don't mispronounce that name, and also once again, Mr. Ken Reedy, who I think has his own little wrestling podcast or did. I'm not sure if he still does, but uh, we do welcome them. Episode 691 of Revolution. Please feel free to enjoy them. Thank you very much. And, of course, if you want to join us through TalkShoe.com, the phone number, as always, is 1-605-562-0444. Caller ID 138055-POUND, the magic six numbers. And press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we have to talk about here tonight, which, of course, will be 100% appropriate here this evening. As per, as we will, of course, in addition to the news and views of history and birthdays, we'll talk about some of the matches from this past Saturday's AEW event, Fighter Fest. And then also we'll be talking about what took place last night on Monday Night Raw. <clears throat> Plus also we'll be just chewing the fat on a lot of other things going on, rolling on here, of course, all around here, regardless if it's wrestling or anything else going on here. We'll definitely hear, we'll definitely bring that here to you here tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get right to it here. Let's get rocking and rolling as we start off with our wrestling news and news here segments on Revolution episode 691. And here to bring it to us from King Ice. Is the Iceman, Jared DiGiralmo. J.D., what's going on here in the wrestling news scene this evening? After hearing what we heard last night involving Maria and Mike Kanellis, in which Maria announced to the public in Dallas how that she is expecting a baby, however, we were wondering if this was indeed, in fact, true. Well, PW Insider has confirmed that, in fact, she is indeed pregnant and that she and Mike did not inform you the news until after they signed their new five-year deal with the company, however staying with the WWE, however, so congratulations to them. Meanwhile, however, in addition to that, however, mind you, however, uh, in other news, however, we got some other news to report as well. Uh, let's see here. I just saw this. Hold on, so bear with me here, folks. Um, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, some wrestling news to report, however, the Rougeau family, however, announced, however, earlier today that wrestling legend Jacques Rougeau Sr. passed away, however, following a fight with pulmonary fibrosis, however, at the age of 89, however. He had been a part of the Quebec landscape for several years, however, mind you, however, and was a professional wrestler for many years. In the company of his brother Jean, Jean or Jean, J-E-A-N, he made the rain and the good weather in the four corners of Quebec particularly in the 60s and 70s, who don't remember his battles with the Sheik, Abdul the Butcher, Maurice Maddox Hassan, and Hard Schmidt. If all of you remember, he was a popular wrestler as a husband, father, and grandfather, and a great and esteemed great-grandfather. He was the quiet force of our family departure. His departure will be very painful, said the Rougeau family. This love was shared with the public, however, mind you, however, as media fans, however, and fans of wrestling, we thank you for the love you've given him over the years and be assured that his feeling was shared, however. Through his sons, Armand, Raymond, and Jacques, however, one of his daughters, Joanne, as well as one of his three grandsons, walked in the steps, working all in the middle of the struggle one time or another, however. It was important for everyone to share the news, however, with all those following him, appreciated and loved in his public career, however. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the Rougeau family, however, as the announcement came down early yesterday afternoon. 
Meanwhile, however, in addition to that, however, mind you, however, believe it or not, Tony Nese, Oni Lorcan, and Jack Gallagher will take on Drew Peppercheck, Gulak, Arya Davari, and Mike K. Nelson, a six-man tag tonight in San Antonio. In addition to that, Lindsay Duran and Grand Metalik will take on the Singh brothers, Samir and Sunel, in a Tornado tag match on 205 Live tonight, however. Meanwhile, however, in other news, however, Monday's WWE Raw television averaged 2.496 million viewers, up from 2.27 the week before. The first hour started with 2.468, hour 2, 2.67, and the final hour, 2.34. Meanwhile, in addition to that, the ratings also went up, believe it or not, however, believe it or not, from 166 to 1.71, however, mind you. Meanwhile, another match has now been listed for Extreme Rules, however, in which the tag titles will be on the line. Daniel Bryan and Rowan will take on Big E and Xavier Woods for the SmackDown Tag Team titles next Sunday in Philadelphia. And finally, congratulations to the U.S. women's soccer team who are now in the final as they punched their ticket today, beating the English ladies 2-1 in Paris. The championship is set for Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Good luck to the USA ladies. And before we go any further, J.D., who are the the USA going to be facing in the finals? I think we'll find out. I think I'm not. Sh- I, I haven't heard yet who they're playing yet. However, but we'll let you know. I know. The, like I said, I think they get. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'll tell you right now. They will play. I'm not sure who they're playing yet. However, that's the thing. Uh, however, they're not. Sh- we're not sure yet. Huh? Oh, here we go. They will be either the Netherlands or Sweden. So we'll find out. Sweden. Dun 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 dun. Ah, we're we're going to actually play some soccer with some meatballs. Okay. Uh, Oh, gee, that that was corny. I'm sure there's plenty of meatballs on their team. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah, and of course, we might have some on ours, too, but they're not Swedish. Hey, okay. okay. I'm just joking. All right. Thank you very much here, J.D. Of course, J.D., along with King and W.O. Jabarki Smith, is King Ice, the 2017 Hall of Fame News Tag Team. They're bringing all the news that's fit to print here in the WWS Radio Network. And, of course, if the news doesn't fit, they always find a way to make it fit. And, of course, super glue and duct tape, you cannot beat that old-fashioned combination. Before we get to John's wrestling history and birthdays today, and he is starting out with a real interesting one there, and I can't wait to read this. I actually, this is one moment I do remember. We have now someone else coming in on the line here. Let's go ahead and start the introductions here right now. And I think everybody knows what, who this is. He is, of course, a 2017 WWS Hall of Famer. He's also, of course, no, part. He's also, of course, uh, known as the Heartbreak Kid in the radio network circles. He's also a contributor to WCWS Raw Radio. And of course, if you think of his other nickname here, folks, you got to think about that 66 coming Happy Days. Happy Day. One of the central characters went a little something. Hey. Just like this. Okay, there you go. A1A. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Eric. And that is Fonzie, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry about that, Fonz. But we do welcome you, of course, to 691 Revolution. So we're glad to have you on here with us here tonight as well. Let's go ahead and get right and sit back and relax, Fonz, for a little bit. And JD, while I go ahead and take care of the rest of the history and birthdays presented to us by the human surplus machine, John Gross. That sounds actually kind of like a, 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 a plug for something. Brought to you by the human suplex machine, John Bush. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, 18 years ago today, which would put it at 2001. JD, I'm sure you remember this moment as well. WWF presented its first 
WCW match since its shutdown back in March on Raw's War from Tacoma, Washington. And what was the show's main event? Booker T defeated Buff Bagwell by DQ to retain WCW World Heavyweight title. The call what was supposed to be the relaunch of WCW a disaster would be greatly underselling it. Booker and Buff were gassed just moments in. After all, their their uh, let's see their first match following the sale of WCW was the day before. The crowd clearly not expecting the WCW title match on a WWF show this evening, relying heavily on rest holds quickly. Uh, turn on the match chanting boring and this match sucks. Suddenly Steve Austin and Kurt Angle would stop the match and they got the loudest cheers by attacking Booker T and Buff Bagwell. The bout called the most awkward match in WWF history by, well WWE history I'll say in this case, by WWE.com 2013. Sadly of course would be Buff Bagwell's one and only WWF slash E match. I would love to see what he could have done in WWE. He could have been something interesting, just in my opinion. Anyway, the next week, Bagwell would be fired by Jim Ross, of course, on July the 9th, a week later in 2001. Also on that same show, Tori Wilson tried to seduce Vince McMahon, but it went nowhere as Linda McMahon caught Vince with his pants down. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. It's also Arn Anderson and Scott Hudson's first Raw appearance, as well as, of course, Tori Wilson's and Buff Bagwell as well. JD, in your opinion, do you think uh, Arn Anderson and Scott Hudson did pretty good announcing that first? I think they. Match? I think they would have done. Yeah, I think they would have done well as an announcers. I think they would have done well. Yeah. I mean, you think they did well for this one right here? You know that sadly the 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 idea didn't really. They tried. Go they tried. I mean, they tried. Yes. That's all you can say. I mean, I mean, who who was more successful in trying to relaunch WCW? Was it WWE or was it us? Ooh, I think it was us, I think, how, and, it, and it had a tough time, how, and like I said, when they got Scott and Arn, and they tried to uh, water it down a little bit, I mean, they tried to improve on it, but was it going to work, how, some people had mixed reactions, but some people said good, some people said bad, you know? But it would be interesting to see a lot more than that, in my personal opinion, but as they say, of course, whatever happens in wrestling, you know, anything does, right? There you go. 17 years ago today, 2002, at a SmackDown taping in Boston, Massachusetts. Everybody remembers this moment right here. Edge and Hulk Hogan defeated Billy and Chuck to pick up the WWE Tag Team titles. This is the first time Edge wins the WWE Tag Team titles with someone other than Christian as his partner. As for Hogan, it's his one and only tag team title win in his four-decade career. He did have one attempt in 93, but of course you know what happened there. That was at WrestleMania 9, if y'all remember that. Uh, Twelve years ago today, we took that 2007 in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Phil Aston III, the personal physician for Chris Benoit, is indicted by a federal grand jury on seven counts of illegal distribution of prescription drugs. That same day on Raw from Dallas, Texas, Umaga defeated Santino Morello to win his second Intercontinental title. Sadly, this would be Umaga's last Intercontinental title reign, as, of course, he would sadly pass away two years later. Seven years late, seven years ago today, we put that 2012, Hazim Ali, of course, I'm known as, and I'm going to try to do this, y'all. Tell me what you think about this impression. Armando 
Alejandro Estrada. That's close enough. Was <laughs> released from WWE. He was first with the company back in 2006 as he first managed the manga. By 2007, he became the ECW general manager. He was released in November 2008 after not appearing on WWE programming for about three months. His second run began in December 2010. He would make he would only make a single appearance as the manager for Tyson Kidd on May 26, 2011. Uh, six years ago today, Jesus Rodriguez, also known as the manager of Alberto Del Rio, and his personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez, was suspended for 30 days following his first violation of the WWE wellness policy. I think he watched that that video involving Paige. That's probably why. <laughs> okay, that wasn't funny either. Uh, five years ago today, put it at 2014, Tenille Dashwood inspired from the WWE, then rehired after she stole an iPad case from a Walmart in Hartford, Connecticut. The value of the case, $21.14. Okay. Emma's career in the WWE never fully never fully recovered, unfortunately, because of that. And that's in that a darn shame. One year ago today, we put it at 2018. On Raw, Raw Strowman left Kevin Owens feeling blue when he shoved him through a portable toilet. Also making his return to the WWE was Dr. Shelby as he tried to help out Sasha Banks and Bailey work through their anger issues. <clears throat> This was Dr. Shelby's first appearance since 2013. Uh, let's see. His last was in, of course, January when he gave Kane and Daniel Bryan their diplomas for graduating anger management classes since he helped them in August of 2012. Today is a happy 44th birthday to Scotty Tuhati. Of course, his real name is Scott Garland, who won the tag team titles twice in his, in his career with Grandmaster Sexay, Brian Christopher, God rest his soul in 2000 and Rikishi in 2004 and also won the light heavyweight title that same year in 2000 over Dean Malenka. Also a happy 49th birthday to Amy Weber, if I remember her, who finished fourth in the 2004 Raw Diva Search and also became a consultant to JBL before her departure in 2005. Hey, all right, we got a referee's birthday here tonight, guys. Happy 55th birthday to Little Nature. Yes, I'm talking about Charles Robinson, resembling, of course, to Ric Flair when he debuted for WCW in 1999 as a referee. He's been in the center of controversy controversy as he helped Charlotte defeat Natalia at Payback in 2016 as part of a version of the 1997 Montreal. Also, a happy 57th birthday to Brackus. J.D., I think you remember Brackus, who appeared in the WWE one time in the Attitude Era. And we got a big-time birthday here, guys. And I mean a big-time birthday here today. Uh, <clears throat> today is a happy 62nd birthday. And J.D., once I tell J.D. who this is, he's going to, I, I know what he's going to say, and I would agree with this. Today is a happy 62nd birthday to, drum roll, please. Okay. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. 62 years old today. My goodness. And when John says he's got some history on the hitman, let's go ahead and read some of this. Uh, he was the eighth child of wrestling patriarch Stu Hart and his wife Helen. Born in Calgary, he is of Greek descent through his maternal grandmother and Irish through his maternal uh, grandfather. His father was mainly Scots-Irish descent, but did have Scottish and English ancestry. 
He's a dual citizen of Canada and the United States since his mother was born in New York City. Hart has stated that he considers to be a North American and that he is proud of the U.S. and Canadian nationality. He grew up with 11 siblings, seven brothers, of course, Smith, Bruce, Bruce Keith, Wayne, Dean. I think we've lost. I think we lost Dean, Ross, and of course we did lose Owen, of course, as well as of course uh, four sisters. Um, Ellie was Ellie the one that married Jim Neidhart? JD. Yeah. Was Ellie was Ellie Hart the one that married uh, Jim Neidhart? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what, okay. Also, Georgia, Allison, and Diana. Of course, Diana was the one that married Davy Boy Smith. I believe it was. As a child, he became the closest with his brother Dean, who was at, who was the nearest to him, and all of his older brothers. Together, they had fights, of course, with Ellie and Georgia. The family were non-denominational Christians, but they were baptized by a local Catholic priest. Hart spent Hart spent his childhood. <clears throat> Uh, in the Hart family mansion, which was owned by his father, where in one period his father was housing a bear known as Terrible Ted chained under the building. The bear had its teeth removed, and Hart would, and Hart would sometimes let the bear lick ice cream off his toes since it was a good way to keep them clean. <laughs> okay. At an early age, he was introduced to professional wrestling. As a child, he watched his father train wrestlers like Billy Graham in the dungeon. His household basement, which served as a training room before school hart's father had him hand out flyers to local wrestling shows in the documentary wrestling with shadows hart reflected on his father's discipline describing how Stu uttered morbid words while putting submission holds that left broken blood vessels in brett's eyes his first work in wrestling involved pulling out lucky numbers out of a metal box during intermission at the Stampede Wrestling Show while he was while he was still four years old. As he got older, he sold programs to the shows, something the Hart's seven brothers would also do. He would often compete for customers with his little brother Ross, since the fans would often want to buy from the youngest Hart child. Like his father, his amateur wrestler was excellent, having begun his training at the age of nine. At Ernest Manning High School, he became a standout student in the amateur wrestling division. He won significant championships and tournaments throughout Alberta, including the 1974. Okay, and, and also and also during that time, Fozzie scratched his nuts. Okay, including the 1974 city <laughs> city championships in Calgary. <laughs> easy on their funds, easy, bud. I know, I know. So. He scored a victory over Bob Eklund, who would go on to become a Canadian inter-university sport national champion, winning an outstanding wrestler of the year for 1980 and 1981. By 1977, Hart was collegiate champion at Mount Royal College, where he studied football. His coaches and other people around him felt that he had shown sufficient promise to compete at the following year's Commonwealth Games and encouraged him to begin, to begin training for the event. Hart was beginning to find amateur wrestling unrewarding and injuries fluctuating weight. Stu still believed his son capable of making it to the Olympic or Commonwealth Games if he put forth the effort. In 1976, at the age of 19, he worked for his father's Stampede promotion. He first, like I said, began helping the promotion by refereeing matches. In 1978, his first match began as Stu asked him to stand in as a replacement. Before long, he became a regular contender, teaming up with Keith to win the Stampede International Tag Team titles four times. Hart gained some of his most prominent experience with Japanese combatants and real-life trainers Mr. Mr. Hito and Mr. Sakuruda. 
Hart had high impact matches with Tom Billington before he was known as the Dynamite Kid. <laughs> Hart faithfully jobbed as requested of him, taking pride in the in the believability of his performances. Hart went on to win the promotion's top titles, including two British Commonwealth Men Heavyweight Championships, five international tag team titles, and six North American Heavyweight titles. He also took on Tiger Mask in New Japan Pro Wrestling, a promotion for whom he often wrestled during the early to mid-1980s. He remained one of the most successful promoters under, uh, under, under the direction until the promotion, along with several wrestlers, were acquired by the WWF in August of 1984. Hart was asked to start out in the WWF wearing a cowboy gimmick, but refused it. On August 29, 1984, he teamed up with the Dynamite Kid in his first televised WWF debut tag team match. His first singles match was on September 11, 1984, when he defeated Aldo Marino in his televised singles match, which aired on the September 29th episode of Superstars of Wrestling. In 1985, after acquiring the nickname The Hitman, he requested to join Jimmy Hart's heel stable, The Hart Foundation, which included Jim Neidhart. He teamed up, of course, with his uh, future brother-in-law, of course, like we said, Jim Neidhart. In 1986, he also had his first singles competition program, with Ricky Steamboat, and in a singles match originally planned for WrestleMania two, Steamboat would defeat him in Boston on March 8, 1986, which of course is which is of course included in the DVD that he did in 2005 as one of his all-time favorite matches. At WrestleMania two, he entered the WWF versus NFL Battle Royal, where he was the last he was the last two competitors, but of course was eliminated by Andre the Giant. The Hart Foundation continued to team up, and on February 7, 1987, they defeated the British Bulldogs and won their first WWF Tag Team titles. Then they would team with Danny Davis at WrestleMania three to defeat the Bulldogs and Tito Santana. The nickname team for the Hart Foundation was the Pink and Black Attack, which Hart continued to use after the tag team's disbandment. In September 1987, they aided the Honky Tonk Man in an attack on Randy Savage for the IC title. But Hulk Hogan came out to thwart their plans. In October, the group dropped the titles of Strike Force when Hart and Neidhart even teamed up. Hart still continued to do some singles matches. On November 28, 1987, he battled Randy Savage on Saturday night's main event in a losing effort. Hart became, also became the first man to appear in the inaugural 1988 <laughs> Royal Rumble match. He lasted 25 minutes and 42 seconds until he was, until he was eliminated by Don Morocco. Hart would eventually turn face at WrestleMania 4 after Bad News Brown eliminated him. But after the match, Hart smashed the trophy and bids turning Hart face in the process. Nye Hart would also join Hart and the group left Jimmy Hart's promotion. At the inaugural SummerSlam, they battled demolition for the tag team titles and where they lost the match. The Hearts were involved in the 1988 Survivor Series elimination match when they were a part of a, of a winning team against the team led by Demolition. At the 1989 Royal Rumble, they teamed up with Jim Duggan to defeat Dino Bravo and the Rougeau brothers in a two-out-of-three-falls six-man tag team match. At WrestleMania 5, they defeated, of course, the Honky Tonk Manning and Greg Valentine as well. That same year, did wrestled some singles matches while teaming up. Hart took on Andre the Giant in April of 1989. Of course, with Andre winning the match in Milan. Hart and Nyhart teamed up at SummerSlam 1989 in a losing effort against the Brain Busters who were at the time WWF Tag Team Champions. At Survivor Series 1989, both Hart and Neidhart were on separate teams as they did not team up. Hart was paired on Jim Duggan's teams and took on Randy Savage's team. 
and Nightheart was paired on Ultimate Warriors team as they took on Andre the Giant's team. The group got back together in 1990 as they defeated the Bolsheviks in 19 seconds at WrestleMania 6. And at SummerSlam 1990, they won their second tag team title for the demolition in a two out of three falls match. On October 30th, 1990, they faced off against the Rockers with tag team titles and would drop the titles, but Jack Tunney reversed the decision and the win was not was not acknowledged on TV. Although I think it should have been, but that's just their business. Hart was also a part of the Undertaker's debut at the 1990 Survivor Series as he was the first man to take him on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, sorry about that. Um, okay. He was also the number one entrant at the Royal Rumble. Okay. He was also the number one entrant at the, at the Royal Rumble in 1991, but he was eliminated by the Undertaker. At WrestleMania 7, Hart and Neidhart dropped the titles to the Nasty Boys, and Hart and Neidhart would split up for good. Hart would go on to have a singles career and focus, and his focus was on the Intercontinental title. Hart's singles career started off with a bang, and on August 26, 1991, he defeated Mr. Perfect in New York City at SummerSlam to gain his first Intercontinental title. He would also win the 1991 King of the Ring tournament, which was not televised in Providence, Rhode Island. Hart's first pay-per-view title defense occurred when he defeated the undefeated Skinner at Tuesday in Texas. In January 1992, he was all set to face the Mountie for the Intercontinental title of the Royal Rumble. After fighting a flu, Hart would drop the IC title two days before the show on January 17, 1992, to the Mountie. It's a good thing J.D. left because I know what he would have been doing if you heard me say that. After that, Roddy Piper would take Brett's place and defeat the Mountie in the 1992 Royal Rumble for the IC title. Hart would recover in time for WrestleMania 8 and he would win back the Intercontinental title on April 5, 1992, for a second time over Roddy Piper. He was the first and one of the few wrestlers to ever pin Piper's shoulders to the mat. At a wrestling challenge taping on July 21, 1992, he battled Shawn Michaels in a ladder match for the title with Hart retaining the title. This match was not televised. Hart would then drop the title to his brother-in-law, David Boy Smith, in the UK on August 29, 1992 at SummerSlam. This was Hart's first WWF pay-per-view main event. It was held before 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium. Pro Wrestling Illustrated readers voted the match of the year and named the match the greatest in the history of SummerSlam. After dropping the IC title, he would move on to the WWF title. On October 12, 1992, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, he defeated Ric Flair to win his first WWF title at a Superstars taping. In that match, he dislocated one of his fingers <clears throat> on his left hand during the match and popped it back in, in himself, but it would not affect the rest of the match. He defeated Papa Shango in his first title defense on Saturday night's main event and would headline his first pay-per-view as champion, defeating Shawn Michaels at the 1992 Survivor Series in the main event for the WWF title, but it wasn't for Shawn Michaels' IC title. He would also defeat Razor Ramon at the 1993 Royal Rumble and would defend the title against strong competitors, strong competitors like Everybody from Virgil to Papa Shango to Ric Flair to others. At WrestleMania 9, Hart would drop the title to Yokozuna on April 4, 1993. Yokozuna would drop the title to Hulk Hogan just a few moments later. Brett won the 1993 King of the Ring, defeating Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect, and Bam Bam Bigelow. And after the match, Jerry Lawler would interrupt Hart's ceremony. Hart became a two-time King of the Ring. According to Hart, Hart was scheduled to battle Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam for the title and was scheduled to win it back, but Hogan chose to drop the belt to Yokozuna. 
Hart would then feud with Lawler, and with Lawler claiming he was the only king that, of course, they also attacked Hart and began a barrage against Hart and his family at SummerSlam 93. They battled for the undisputed king of the WWF and where Hart won the match by submission, but Hart would not let go of the sharpshooter awarding the match to Lawler. Hart would continue to feud with Lawler in the USWA and where Lawler beat Owen for Owen's USWA Unified World Title in 1993. At Survivor Series 93, the Hart family took on Jerry Lawler and his Knights, but Shawn Michaels would, of course, substitute for Lawler. The Hart, let's see, uh, the Hart family sweeped the Knights, but the but Owen would find himself eliminated by Shawn Michaels after Michaels whipped Owen into breath. Owen would blame Brett after the match and shoved him. Owen demanded a one-on-one match against Bret Hart, but Bret backed out. They worked out their differences and out to reunite the family over the Christmas holidays. He was voted Superstar of the Year in 1993 by fans, as well as the greatest wrestler of the year by PWI readers. At the Royal Rumble on on January 22, 1994, they battled the Quebecers for the tag team titles. Referee Tim White stopped the match after Bret was unable to continue as he sustained a KFAB knee injury. During the match, Owen turned on his brother Brett by kicking him in, in his leg. Owen then stated that Brett was just too selfish, and he kicked his leg out. He kicked he kicked his leg out from his from from right underneath him. Brett, still injured, was able who was still injured was able to compete in the 1994 Royal Rumble match, but he did not get his revenge on Owen because Owen entered at number five and was eliminated by Diesel. Brett entered at number 27 and made it to the finals with Lex Luger where both men eliminated eliminated each other. They both won the 1994 Royal Rumble match as co-winners. It's the first and only time that both men, that two men won the Royal Rumble match. Luger won the first chance to face Luger's at WrestleMania 10, while Hart would have to wait in the main event before he received his title match. Of course, he in the very first match at WrestleMania 10, he battled with Brother Owen, in which John believes it was a good match at WrestleMania. Yokozuna got by Luger with help from Mr. Perfect, but in the main event, Brett would capture a second WWF title over Yokozuna, becoming the seventh man since 1988 to win the title at WrestleMania. After winning the title, Brett continued to feud with more challengers. His first pay-per-view title defense was at the 1994 King of the Ring would be against Diesel, who would, of course, be the inter- would be the Intercontinental Champion. Making his return with Brett would be Jim Neidhart. Neidhart was in Brett's corner. Diesel would win the match by DQ after Neidhart interfered. Neidhart turned his back on Brett and joined and joined Owen by helping him win the 1994 team of the ring tournament against Razor Ramon. The win gave Owen a title match at SummerSlam in which the two settled their differences in a steel cage match, and similar to and similar to WrestleMania 10. This had to be, of course, the match of the night, but it did not but it did not main event, and John said he wished that it had. But Undertaker versus Undertaker, but Undertaker versus Undertaker actually may have ended that show. In 1994, Brett had another feud with Bob Backlund, where Brett retained his title in a singles match with Backlund as Brett was looking for a handshake. Backlund snapped and locked in the cross-faced chicken wing on Brett. That led to a match between the two at Survivor Series and a fit match for the title. Owen would be in Backlund's corner while Bulldog was in Hart's corner. As Hart was set to pull away another challenger in Backlund, Owen came out and interfered, attacking the champion. Now allowed Backlund to, to lock in the crossface chicken wing. Backlund had locked the hole for a good, for at least a good eight minutes. With Owen begging his family to throw in the towel for Brett. Helen eventually threw the towel, similar to what happened in 1983 between the Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. 
Backlund won the title and remained the champion for three days until dropping the title to Diesel at Madison Square Garden. Brett returned to the title picture and got a rematch in the 1995 Royal Rumble, taking on Diesel, where the match was ruled a draw, in which Owen, Jeff Jarrett, the roadie, Bob Backlund, and Shawn Michaels all interfered to attack both men. At WrestleMania 11, Brett got redemption on Backlund by winning the winning the nine quit match. He also finished his feud with Owen as well. He rekindled his feud with Lawler at the 1995 King of the Ring. He won a Kiss My Foot match against Lawler, which would force Lawler to enlist <clears throat> Isaac Yankum DDS. This was a this was a short fuse feud for a while, where Brett defeated Yankum by DQ and would also win a cage match with him in October. Yankum would leave the WWF after the feud and would be repackaged in 1997 as Kane. Of course, he also did the fake diesel before that, but eventually we all remember him as Kane. Brett would win his third title at 1995 Survivor Series against Diesel. Brett was, let's see, Brett was a fighting champion in his first pay-per-view title defense. He defeated the Bulldog in the 1992 SummerSlam rematch. In the, in the middle of the match, Brett lost blood but refused to stop the match as he retained the title. At the 1996 Royal Rumble, he lost to the Undertaker by DQ, but still remained champion with the interference from Diesel. Brett would retain the title over Diesel. The next pay-per-view in a steel cage match with help from The Undertaker. Brett and Sean would feud at WrestleMania 4 on winning the Royal Rumble match in 1996. Both men would compete in the first ever 60-minute Iron Man match. Both men did not trade falls through the entire hour of that match. The match was ruled a sudden death with Sean defeating Brett to win his first title. After this, Brett walked out of the WWF but did wrestle some live event matches. In October, Stone Cold Steve Austin would challenge the Hitman on TV as Brett took a hiatus from the WWF. WWF. Austin would go on to win the 1996 King of the Ring and have moderate success. Austin would then challenge Brett with Brett returning, accepting Austin's challenge for the 96 Survivor Series. In Brett's first match return, he defeated Austin by countering the Million Dollar Dream. Brett then showed signs of a heel turn, talking about being screwed a lot. In December, he lost a match against Psycho Sid for the title. He also took his aggressions out on Shawn Michaels for not being a good champion. At the 1997 Royal Rumble, Brett almost won the Royal Rumble match, eliminating Jerry Lawler and Diesel. But he did eliminate Austin. However, the referees did not see it as they were breaking up the fight between Mankind and Terry Funk. Austin came in immediately and in the ring, eliminated Undertaker and Vader, but he also eliminated Bret Hart. Bret was frustrated and quit but was brought back by Gorilla Monsoon to wrestle a fatal four-way match against Undertaker, Vader, and Stone Cold, and where the winner would face the champion at WrestleMania 13. But the champion, Shawn Michaels, claimed to have injured himself, also claimed to have lost his smile, igniting a bitter real-life feud between the two. Brett would win the title for the fourth time at Final Four, but dropped the title to Psycho Sid the next night. On March 17, 1997, the hitman showed his true colors, Shoving Miss McMahon to the ground and cut a profanity laced tirade on McMahon. The fans, Psycho Sid, and Stone Cold turned, turned him heel for the first time since 1988. At WrestleMania 13, Brett defeated Austin in a submission match, where, in which it was known as Matches of the Year, with Austin turning face and Brett turning heel. Brett quickly denounced the United States of America, betraying them, and would form the Hart Foundation again with Owen Hart, Brian Pillman, Jim Neidhart, and the British Bulldog. The stable was very strong as they feuded with American faces like Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, The Legion of Doom, Ken Shamrock, The Patriot, Mankind, Gold Dust, Vader, and The Undertaker. 
at SummerSlam. Brett defeated The Undertaker to win his fifth title with help from the re from referee Shawn Michaels. After SummerSlam, Michaels was pushed as the top heel in the company, and negative fan negative fan fans reaction towards Hart in the United States softened somewhat. Hart stated that he wasn't so much anti-American as he was very as he was just very pro-Canadian. In real life, Brett did not like the Attitude Era and said preferring traditional values. During the Hart Foundation's feud with DX, DX framed the Hart Foundation in vandalizing the locker room of the Nation of Domination with racist motifs. In retaliation, during a promo, Brett called both Triple H and Michaels homos. <laughs> Hart would defend his title in his final days against Baruch and Ken Shamrock successfully. Around this time, Hart's on-air rivalry with Vincent Mann also escalated. A heated ringside altercation between the two led the main, led main fans to dislike McMahon, who at the time was being exposed as the owner of WWF more and more frequently on the air. Although Hart signed a 20-year contract back in 1996, the WWF was in a rough financial position by late 1997 and could no longer afford to honor the contract, although Hart was arguably the biggest wrestler in the world during the mid-1990s. Let's see. McMahon also felt that Brett's character began to wane, and he encouraged Hart to, to approach the WCW about a contract. Hart did not I'm sorry. Despite Hart's reluctance to leave the WWF and willingness to renegotiate, Hart signed a three-year contract with WCW. His final match with the WWF would be a title match at the 1997 Survivor Series against Shawn Michaels. Hart did not want to end his WWF, WWF career with a loss to Michaels in his home country, particularly with the context of their nationally fueled feud, and offered to lose, forfeit, or otherwise give over the belt to Michaels. And any other way McMahon woman agreed to Hart's idea of forfeiting the championship the next night on Raw's War or losing it a few weeks later. Although Hart told McMahon that he wouldn't take the title with him to WCW TV like a Lundra Blaze at the time did in 1995 when she threw the women's title belt in the garbage. McMahon was still worried and paranoid. This led to him breaking his word that would eventually lead to the infamous Montreal screwdriver. Hart and Michaels brawled throughout the crowd in the middle of the match, but they continued their fight in the ring. Michaels would rake the eyes of Brett, and Brett went down. Michaels would then set up for Brett's finishing hold, the sharpshooter. Brett would try to reverse it, but the referee coughed with the bell, as Vince said, ring the bell. The plan was for Brett to reverse the sharpshooter and have a referee bump. Although Michael's allowing Michael to hit sweet chin music, but there'd be no referee. The heartbreak kid Fonzie all of a sudden did have to leave us. I'm hoping he'll be back on here before the end of the before the end of the show tonight, folks. But uh, we but if he doesn't make if he doesn't uh, make it back home, we do well. Thank you for coming on here tonight. After that, Brett got pissed, spat in the man's face, and said, WCW. 
Brett was frustrated and threw the commentary table as well. <laughs> On November 17, 1997, McMahon stated that Brett did not want to honor the WWE institution and said that Brett was screwed. Just a couple of seconds. We're going to be overthrown, the leader. Of the Latino world order, but first, throughout the tri-state area, I know fans are clamoring to get tickets for Nassau Coliseum and the big event December 29th. Fans, you don't have your tickets for this one. Please don't wait any longer. Get to the Coliseum box office right now or any of the Ticketmaster outlets throughout the tri-state area. The main event truly speaks for itself. Goldberg against the Beast from the East. You've also got Diamond Dallas taking on the Hitman Bret Hart. What's up? Can you turn that down? But this echo yeah. here, I Thank you. Uh, Hart's lightness would continue to be featured in WWF media into 1998, including the title video of Brett's three-year contract with WCW included a salary of $2.5 million per year, a million annual increase from his WWF contract, as well as life schedule, and a little bit of measure of creative control. A day after the WWF Survivor Series pay-per-view, Bischoff announced that Hart was going to join WCW and also join the NWO. Hart debuted on December 15, 1997, but could not wrestle due to a 60-day compete clause. He did referee two matches at Slamboree, first refereeing, refereeing the uh, Zabisco-Bischoff match. I think, John, I think I think you mean Starcade. I don't think it's Slamboree. I think it's Starcade. And becoming the impromptu referee for Sting versus Hogan. Yeah, John, John, Bluebird time. It wasn't Slam Relay, ladies and remember, it was Starcade in 1997. Of course, becoming the impromptu referee for Sting versus Hogan with the WWE world title, with Sting winning his fifth world title. And John admits that he did do a blooper. <laughs> it's okay, John. It's still all it still started with an S, so that's nope, okay. I'm you're doing fine. Yeah. Oh, boy, excuse me. That's what she said. Uh, his no contract clause expired, and his first match at WCW was against a man who he took the WWF title from, and that was Ric Flair. At sold out 1998, Brett defeated Flair in his first WCW match. After that, he elected he elected to. Then the honor of WCW against the NWO by defeating members of the NWO, of course, uh, including Brian Adams and and Kurt Henning. But Brett would turn on WCW and join the NWO in April of 1998, helping helping capture the WCW title over Randy Savage. 
He associated with the NWO, but he did not actually join the group. That's a good way of putting it, John. Yeah, that's that's about, that's about right. Brett would win the WCW United States title on July 20th, 1998 on Nitro over DDP. They would drop it to Lex Luger on August 10th, 1998, only to regain it back on Thunder. subsequently asked the fan for forgiveness, turned his back on Hogan for the NWO. Leading to a first time ever match between the two on Nitro on September 28, 1998. The match was stopped with Hart being hurt. Sting would come to Hart's aid and try to initiate a match with Hogan, but Hart faked it by attacking Sting. Brett would KFAB injure Sting at Halloween Havoc by, re by retaining him for the title. But he would he by beating him for the title, but he would drop the title on October 26, 1998 on Nitro to DDP. To headline the following month's World War III. Let's see. And where Page beat Brett, but Brett would win it back in November 1998. In February 1999, he dropped the title to Roddy Piper. On March 29, 1999, Toronto, he was dressed in street clothes and called out Goldberg, claiming he could defeat him in five minutes. Goldberg appeared and gave Hart the spear, but Hart was wearing a metal breastplate, and that resulted in Goldberg being knocked out. Hart counted his own pinfall and declared that he quit WCW. On May 23, 1999, Hart was scheduled to make an appearance on the Jay Leno show, the hype is returned to WCW.
but he was given the news, of course, as you know, on his brother Omar. That, of course, that died in an accident during Over the Edge, where he was scheduled to face the Godfather for the Intercontinental title. Hart took another four months off to be with his family. He returned in September 1999 to team up with Hulk Hogan, taking on Sting and Luger. He would also challenge for Sting's WCW World title, but he lost the match. Hart would finally get his chance at the WCW title. By winning a tournament at Mayhem 1999, defeating Sting in the semifinals and defeating Chris Benoit in the finals. The two originally had a match in October in Kansas City where Brett, with Brett defeating Owen, defeating Benoit in tribute to Owen Hart. Brett took on Goldberg for the WCW title, but before the match, they won the WCW tag team titles before Starcade. Apparently, young John's got a lot of history here on Bret Hart. Like you said, Brett, today, Bret Hart turns 62 years old. At Starcade, Goldberg gave Brett a kick to the head, causing Brett a massive concussion. The 1997 Survivor Series would be replayed again with Brett winning the title this time. The injuries would leave Brett with post-concussion syndrome. Out of respect for Goldberg, Brett vacated the WCW World Heavyweight title, and the two would have another match for the title that night. But Hart would win it again because of, I believe it was because of NWO 2000. However, the end, and where Hart reformed the NWO with Hall, Nash, and Jeff Jarrett. However, the NWO group was disbanded with Hart was forced to vacate the WCW title in January of 2000 and would leave WCW and retire from the ring. Hart continued to make some WCW appearances in supporting the New Blood and would continue to dispute with Goldberg until being released from his WCW contract in 2000. In 2002, Hart suffered a stroke and would be paralyzed, but he would be able to walk again.
In 2005, he returned to the WWE to make a DVD with Vincent Mann. Chronicling, uh, talking about his best matches, he would be inducted into the 2006 WWE Hall of Fame, but he did not appear at WrestleMania 22. His first appearance on Raw would be in June 2007 via television when he was asked about Vince McMahon Appreciation Night. After speculation throughout 2009 and early 2010, fans speculated when the Hitman would return to the WWE. And on January 4, 2010, they got their wish as he returned to WWE Raw as the guest host. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Clearing the air with Shawn Michaels. Clear the air with, with Vince McMahon. McMahon kicked Brett where it hurt. Brett tried to get redemption on McMahon a few weeks later, but he was stopped by Batista. Brett would challenge McMahon to a match at WrestleMania 26 with Brett coming out of retirement and defeating him in a street fight match. Brett continued to stay in the WWE and would become the Raw GM for three weeks until he was attacked by the Nexus and forced Brett to return to the ring at SummerSlam, teaming up with John Cena, R-Truth, John Morrison, Daniel Bryan, Edge, and Chris Jericho against the Nexus. Brett would try to wrestle on Raw 1000 against the Undertaker, but the match was stopped by the Nexus and Kane. Brett also made some appearances from the WWE throughout 2000, between 2011 and 2019. Brett's last WWE appearance would be at WrestleMania 35. He managed Beth Phoenix and Natalia for their match. Brett recently just made an appearance at, at, for AEW, 
uh, showing off the new AEW title belt at Double or Nothing back in May. And John says that's all he's got for the wrestling history and birthdays here for today. John, we thank you very much. And JD, thank you very much for the wrestling news and news here for tonight. A lot of history on Bret Hart, ladies and gentlemen. Happy 62nd birthday. God bless you, Bret Hart. Thank you for an extraordinary career. 1 562 Caller ID 138055 pound. This is episode 691 of WWS Revolution. This is Tuesday, July 2nd, 2019. Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw, the Iceman Jared Girolamo, and the Human Supplies Machine John Gross are really here tonight. Uh, we did have the heartbreak kid Fonzie on here with us for a short time, but I guess he had something to take care of. Uh, but hopefully we'll get the chance to hear from him either for the rest of the evening tonight or we'll hear from him hopefully sometime tomorrow. All right, gentlemen, we're going to start going to just proceed ahead. I know that we've got, we got a lot of short time here, but we're going to just, we are going to proceed with everything as we planned it. So let's go ahead and get right to it here. I'm going to talk about, to make this easy, I'm going to go by with my, list that I have here, of course, coming out off of Wikipedia, talking about the uh, four of the nine matches for AEW's Fighter Fest, and then we'll talk about Monday Night Raw. We'll do it that way, gentlemen, okay? Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley, uh, the hardcore match. J.D., what you think about this on Saturday night? Nakazawa did pretty well. You got to hand it to him, and Jabaley tried to put up a good fight, but it wasn't in the cards, so to speak. I mean, Michael Nakazawa has definitely uh, shown how he is a big name to watch out for and one to be uh, very uh, cautious about. I mean, a lot of people are not giving this guy the credit he deserves. And like I said, I don't know if this was Alex Bailey's first showing in AEW. If it was, uh, he tried to put up a good fight, however. But in the end, uh, it was all for naught, that's to say. But like I said, he did put up a good effort, though. Thank you there, JD. Uh, John says an interesting contest, although it wasn't, although it wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. So good, good, good point there, John. Thank you very much. The next one here we'll talk about here. One, and we're going to go ahead and get this taken care of here. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, this actually, this match actually went to a full 20-minute draw, I think. Uh, of course, the match I'm talking about is the one pity Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. Uh, JD, what's your take on what's your take on this match here? This was intense. I mean, this was very, very intense. And what happened afterward with Sean Spears, the perfect ten, however, blasting Cody in the back of the head, however, where he had to have twelve staples. Uh, I don't think this is uh, over by any means yet between the perfect ten and Cody. And uh, this could be at the fight for a fallen show, however, possibly, maybe, however, the next one that's coming up next Saturday night, or maybe at All Out in Chicago, maybe, possibly, maybe in August, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but this was a pretty good match from what I heard, I have not seen it yet, but I have heard good things a little bit about this, but like I said, I think the Perfect Ten better pray right now that uh, he better not be scoring the Perfect Ten, because right now I think there's one angry guy coming for you, and that is Mr. Rhodes, and I think he's not going to show any mercy, he might be the one scoring the Perfect Ten. That's a very good point there indeed. Uh, John says who the big story was with Sean Spears. Of course, it was known as Ty Dillinger. Smashed Cody Rhodes with that chair. And of course, Lucky Rhodes was able to make it. John says that they do that at all out because Rhodes is teamed with his younger with his younger with his younger brother against the uh, against the young bucks. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. It'll all be pretty good there indeed. 
Next one we'll talk about here is the uh, the six, and I, and of course everybody knows who, uh, who 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 made made up both of these teams, but the six man tag pitting the elite versus the Lucha Brothers. Uh, JD, what was your take here? This was one of the better matches of the evening, from what I heard. I was very entertained from what I had heard. However, I don't think it's over yet with these six guys either. But to me, this was the match of the night by far. Okay. Thank you very much, there, JD. Uh, John says this was a better this was a better match. Okay. Thank you very much. And the last one we'll talk about here. This is another hyped up one here, indeed. <clears throat> Which was, of course, the one pitting, of course, in his first match with AEW, John Boxley, also known as I'll go ahead and say since Danny's not here, Dean Ambrose, uh, pitting going up against Joey Janela. Of course, uh, uh, big time, big time match up here. Uh, JD, what was your take on this one? This was a good match. I did watch this actually late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I mean, this was very, very entertaining. I thought this was good. However, like I said, this was a very, very good match. However, like I said, it reminded you a little bit of Sabu and Terry Funk and Born to be Wire 97. There was a lot of uh, barbed wire in this. However, it was very intense. However, I mean, Joey Janela definitely showed, however, he could, uh, and Ambrose, aka Moxley, definitely showed that they both could really take a beating. I mean, it was definitely a 20-minute match, and it was definitely intense with the 20 minutes they did. Of course, this was, I believe, an unsanctioned match, if I'm not mistaken, at the same time. But to me, this was, uh, like I said, probably, like I said, until I see the Cody match and the Young Bucks match, this was one, the one match I did watch, uh, and I was very impressed with it. But you talk about the three matches that's uh, one of the big shows, they said uh, this was one of the three that definitely stole the show. On uh, Saturday night in Daytona. And John says, massively brutal. That's all you can say about it. So John says, you need to save Kenny Omega and John Moxley fight unsanctioned as well. They could actually steal the show at all out. Hey, anything's possible. So, hey, we, they, that, that could happen. So, guys, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about this, uh, um, the rest of the matches tomorrow night, of course, on Revolution. Let's go ahead and get right down here to it. We still got plenty of time here. Well, let's just go breeze right through it here. John, let's get your take here. Uh, anything in particular stood out for you as far as what happened last night on Monday Night Raw? John's course says let's get right on into Raw. John has to say there must have been a full moon on this show. John actually wanted to send his thoughts to both Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley for crashing through the stage. John hopes that they are okay, but when you saw the two crashing through the stage. John also reminded him of the 1998 King of the Ring when Undertaker calls tossing mankind off of the Hell in the Cell, which is a match J.D. knows very much about, too. But I think that took place in Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. John, the the match between Undertaker and Mankind, the hell in the cell. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it was at the old figurine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John John says that the impressive six-man tag team match with the New Day against the Viking Raiders and Samoa Joe. Once again, Samoa makes Kofi Kingston pass out. 
Excuse me. Uh, John says he would like to see this match at Extreme Rules be an I quit match. But John will say, John did say here, but he will say Corey, Corey Graves had the HS on that stage exploding. John says we can all agree with him on that. And I'll tell you the truth. That's a, and JD, you'll hear JD, you and John are both witnesses to this. It's the only time you'll hear me say this. And it's the only time that I will ever agree with Corey Graves on anything. Other than that, yeah. I think I think with, I think you and John would both agree that he can just simply blow me. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Bischoff, Bischoff does the bite me. I say blow me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, John says with the HS moment was when another HS moment came up when Maria announced that she was pregnant and she wanted Becky to impregnate her. Ooh, okay. Uh, John says, and John, John, whoa, John's on the glory train for Corey Graves tonight. Then Corey deserves an award for saying that? Holy crap. <laughs> that might be a, um, what was that thing? Uh, oh, the, what was that? Uh, Joey Styles said in ECW, JD. Um, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think they normally do a slammy for that, don't they? They have a slammy yeah. for that now, I think. Okay. Oh, uh, then I, I, I guess, I guess, Corey might, they might be given that a moment right there before saying that. During I think this that might be the OMG moment of the year when you think about it, though. It could be. I would agree. But the main event was surprising between AJ and Ricochet for the U.S. title. John knew that something was going to happen, and his suspicions were correct. Ricochet, as much as, I, as he respects, um, as he respects and likes him, he should have known better not to cross AJ Styles. Uh, and but Maverick went the 24/7. John says no and no. <laughs> and John says that's all he's got for his review of Monday Night Raw. John, we thank you very much. Now, JD, we got 20 minutes, so like I said, I know that you can breeze through this. So I'm on. So you got the rest of the night there, buddy. <laughs> so, so John, so JD, I have to ask you. Of course, I'm sure knowing that today was Bret Hart's birthday, I'm sure it kind of pepped you up here a little bit. So I will ask you this question. But also, John did say here right fast, Paul Heyman did well for his first, I guess, assignment overseeing Raw. John gave Paul Heyman a B plus. Okay. <laughs> it's about average. Okay. Well, 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 well. of course, like the Huey Lewis song goes, J.D. is hip to B squared. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, JD, That's are you? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Are you pulled off and are you on the? Ready. Oh yes, sir. Well, all right, here we go. The Iceman, Jared D. Geronimo, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, at WWS Radio Network exclusive. Of course, as we always say, he is not afraid to let his to let his feelings known about Raw, SmackDown, and any other pay per views. Of course, that's popped up here in recent memory. And of course, if you thought Captain America's Shield, Thor's Hammer, Wolverine's Claws, Hulk's Mighty Fist, or uh, or um, Superman's Devastating Punch, and no, we're not talking about the one from Roman Reigns. We're talking about the, the Superman himself. You know, all those were brutal. Wait till you hear what JD has to say. He he has all that times ten. There you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is the Iceman, Jared Lombo, with his raw edition 
of the WWS Icebreaker. Let's tell you beforehand, however, with the fireworks coming up in a few days, however, we're going to have fireworks up plenty here tonight and tomorrow. And believe me, we want to give you guys a little bit of warning ahead of time. Some of them may be explosive, some of them may not, depending on what you think. Anyway, last night, of course, we started off the 4th of July week in Dallas, Texas. And, of course, who started out the show but Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. And let's just say the OMG moment of the night and the holy you-know-what moment of the night happened here in one false swoop. I mean, you talk about a crazy, wild, insane, out-of-control, just epic, blockbuster, crazy, uh, destructive, damaging, uh, let's just say, insane ending. Or not not insane ending. Beginning. You talk about probably one of the crazy beginnings. It happened here between these two. I mean, these guys literally beat the holy unit out of each other, however, and then some. This was like a Texas tornado gone through the city of Dallas, and then some. I mean, this was absolutely intense beyond words, however. What happened in the end, however? Oh, yeah, that's right, however. No one won, however, if you will, however. We saw what happened, how when basically we saw these two guys do more damage than an F5 tornado of Brock Lesnar variety hit. And I do mean hit in a big way, however, let's just say here in Big D, let's just say. Then, of course, we go to our next match. The New Day of Xavier Woods and Big E, however, taking on the Viking War Raiders of Eric and Ivar. But alas, however, who shows up but the man who will be taking on, however... Uh, Kofi Kingston, however, at Extreme Rules a week from Sunday. Yes, folks, the Samoan Submission Machine, the former two-time NXT World Champion, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, at one time, fellow TNA Impact wrestler, none other than Samoa Joe. But then Kofi Kingston came out to even it up power, and then all of a sudden we went to a commercial break. And when we came back, however, we had a six-person tag with the New Day versus Joe and the Raiders. Of course, Joe and the Raiders, prior to the Raiders before that, however, fought, however, and had actually lost by disqualification to the New Day, however, because of what happened because of Joe. But when they came back yet, they win, however, against the New Day. Strange, isn't it? Hmm. Very strange. I don't know what was up with that whole thing, however, if you ask me, but it was very unusual, to say the least, that you go from a tag team match to a six-person tag, and basically, however, you have one of the teams win by DQ, however, against another team that you're kind of somewhat bearing at the moment, but yet they come back, however, mind you, however, at the same time, however, and have a new friend with them, and yet they defeat Tower, the team that they just won by DQ, now lose a six-person tag. Strange. Hmm. Anyway, then we go to the whole R-Truth, Drake Maverick thing, however. And as I said before, however, I am sick to death more and more of this crap, however. I really am, however, mind you. I am just absolutely bored by it beyond words, and I wish to God this would already freaking end. I am sick of seeing this every week on my freaking television, if you ask me. Then we go to, of course, however, Luke Gallows and Anderson talking with AJ Hart, and of course, Gallows and Anderson talked to AJ about what happened last week. Gallows said that Anderson doesn't think Styles can beat Ricochet for the title, but Anderson confirmed that Tim said he would put up his hot Asian wife for a bet. 
AJ accepts and then leaves the room, however. Okay, uh, that was kind of, first off, dumb and stupid and totally asinine. You would do uh, like a promo or some type of backstage skit like that. I mean, that was absolutely moronic beyond words and absolutely totally uh, not called. I mean, just absolutely moronic and idiotic, moronic to say the least. Then, of course, we go to the second hour of the show. And who starts the second hour of the show? Oh, yes. The 49-year-old hair pucks for men, however, none other than that little shithead, however, the so-called best in the world, however, none other than the little, total little slap, not himself, however, Shane McMahon and his boyfriend, none other than the dragon slayer himself, yes, the man who basically has his mouth all over Shane's little grapefruits, if you will, Dick Sucker Drew McIntyre who apparently once again came out, however, to run their mouth, however, and say this and that about Roman Reigns and The Undertaker. And what happens, however, oh yeah, Shane and Drew tell everyone, however, that they're not, you know, Shane tell everyone that they're not afraid, both say they're not afraid of The Undertaker. Yeah, that's why you ran like a bunch of little bitches again for the second week in a row whenever The Undertaker came into the ring, however, and showed his presence. What happened there, Shane? Did your little grapefruits get a little small this week, Howard, once again, because you basically pissed yourself, however, and that your boyfriend and you couldn't stay in the ring and confront the Reaper, however? Is that what happened? Or you just didn't have the grapefruits or not, no balls at all, Howard, when you guys weren't playing rub and tug with each other, Howard, in the locker room, Howard, before the show, Howard, or with each other backstage and didn't want to stay in the ring with the master of the uh, tombstone? It seems like I'm... Per- Betting on number two on that one, if you ask me. Prior to that, however, we had, of course, the Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. And I have to ask, Carol, why in the hell were these two idiots on television? What was the point of bringing them into TV except use them, except for just doing stupid stuff backstage like they did for much of the evening, however, and absolutely not put them in a match? Seriously, what was the point of that? Anyway, we hear more about the hype up for the matchup that's coming up this next Sunday between Shane, Roman, Taker, and uh, Drew. Goody, I'm so excited. But speaking of which, how that leads us to our next encounter. Her. Yes, folks, the sassy southern whore skank slut herself, the piece of elephant excrement that she is, her, the so-called marine of the WWE, Lacey Elephant Girl Evans, and her boyfriend, if you will, Boyne Bland, uh... Boyne Bland and Bitch Boy himself, Cockstain Baron Corbin. Oh, goody. Just what I need to see. The so-called sassy southern slut and her boyfriend, Mr. TGI Friday's Lex Luthor wannabe, come to the ring, however, in a matchup in which Lacey the Whore taking on Natalia because Lacey needed Corbin, her little boyfriend, to be with her at ringside because she didn't have enough backup on her side at all her and basically had to have ask Corbin to come to ring ask Corbin to come to ringside with her. Oh goody, what happens? Oh yeah, let's find a way to piss all over Natty and basically insult her intelligence, how as well as everyone's intelligence in general, however, by basically having Natalia lose in less than five minutes, however, thanks to that little Lex Luthor wannabe, by sticking his nose where he didn't belong, by tripping up Natty, and then of course giving Lacey the undeserved win, however, by basically popping Natty right in the jaw with the women's right. Yeah, let's have a piece of 
southern trash of Lacey Evans and her boyfriend how to find a way how to basically bury an Italian and continue to insult the women's division by basically having these two jackasses win. Oh, goody. I wonder if they're going to play rub and tug with each other just like Shane and Drew are in the locker room afterward. Then we go to uh, basically... Two out of three falls match, however, mind you, involving, yes, the A-lister himself, The Miz, and also Shane McMahon's other little elephant boy, if you will, the piece of excrement, but I shouldn't say excrement anymore because that's reserved for Lacey. Let's call him the so-called, we call him the elephant, we can call him maybe a little bit of the elephant boy, but that's too much. Let's think of another E-word to describe Elias. Oh, yeah, embarrassing. The embarrassing joke that is Elias Howard, the so-called Bob Dylan troubadour of the WWE in a two-out-of-three falls match. What happened there, Elias? Oh, that's right. You lost in ten seconds like a dick in the first fall, Howard, by The Miz. You came back and won in a cheap way the second fall. But then in the third fall, The Miz got the best of you once again and found a way to make you tap out like a little bitch when he made you scream in the figure four after you basically crashed in the post when you tried to go for a high knee on the apron. How'd that work for you, Elias? Didn't work out too well, did it? You thought last week after SmackDown, Howard, being the embarrassing little, uh, uh, little, uh, uh, what was the word I used for him to describe him? Uh, the embarrassing... Elias? Yeah, what was the one I said to start out with Elias? What did I say besides embarrassing? Oh, yeah. Uh... Not Elfin... I I didn't call him Elfin Boy in Excrement. I had another word for him. Um, um, what was the word I used to describe him? Oh gosh, uh, I know you said I can't think of it, um, but but I, I but he is of course egotistical too. Um, egotistical. So. That's a good word. We'll describe him. Okay, but that's the new word we'll use for him. Egotistical. That works. Yeah, yeah. What happened there, lies? You thought your ego was going to be egotistical and being full of your giant ego. You're going to pull off a win against Miss. Did it work? No, it didn't work. So now you can go back to Shane McMahon and his boyfriend, Stash Dawson and Corey Graves, Howard, and play Robin Tug with them, too, and suck them all off, Howard, at the same time. Or find a way to strum your stupid guitar, Howard, singing a, a songs like a jackass that you are, considering you're a total joke and an absolute jack-off at the same time. Speaking of jack-offs, let's talk about the biggest joke of the night, which I will get to shortly. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, my girl and the architect, taking on the so-called power couple of the WWE, the M&M duo of the love-struck couple of Maria and Mike. And boy, oh boy, let's just say, did this go off like a fart in church, or should I say, a fart in an elevator, shall we say. Because this was absolutely, not silent but deadly, but this was absolutely, totally... Ripped up beyond words. Okay, let's think about this for a minute, okay? Mike and Maria came in the WWE not even a year ago, and what have you done with them since they came to WWE? Since they've come back to WWE and arrived in WWE? Let's think about this for a minute. Oh, yeah, you waste them on 205 Live every week by saying, oh, they're the great power couple of the WWE, and that they are so loving and that they're so adorable with each other. But, yeah, how'd that happen at the end of the night there off of you there, Marie and Mike? Oh, that's right. Seth made uh, basically Mike Canales, the so-called miracle man of the WWE, have no miracle whatsoever because, A, he got his ass kicked by a lady, or should I say by a man in the form of Becky Lynch, 
Paige. And then Maria didn't get in the ring, obviously, because she announced to the whole world how, being the red-headed little witch that she is, however, so I say bitch that she is, however, no pun intended, however, that she's expecting again. First off, let me just say on confirmation, as I said this earlier in the news headlines tonight, we can confirm, we can actually confirm that they are expecting again. So, I mean, first off, I gotta say, in all due respect, congratulations to both of them, and I hope everything works out for them. But B, what was the point of putting these two guys on television? Seriously. I mean, you just signed a new contract a few weeks ago for the next five years at 500K, Howard. And what are you going to do for the next five years or so except continue to get buried over and over again and rarely gain any TV time? Why are you still even in the WWE? You've done nothing since you arrived in WWE. You continue to get wasted time after time, Howard, by basically being on the c level show that is 205 Live. You rarely get any TV time on, on the other shows, Raw or SmackDown, let alone NXT. And yet you're just on 205 Live thinking how being on that show are you going to be the power couple of 205 Live unlike Seth and Becky on Raw. Yeah, keep telling yourself there. And as uh, Maria said how last night to Mike Howard, yeah, he's my bitch, right? Gee, I wonder who's the bitch now, Howard, Maria and Mike. It looked like you guys are the bitches because you got punked out last night by both the man and the architect. And you didn't have a good idea of uh, planning that out, did you, Maria? No, I guess you didn't, because it just showed, once again, that a cold-hearted, red-headed witch, or bitch, should I say, you really are. Because right now, you've done absolutely nothing. Nothing at all, along with your so-called husband, since you arrived back in the WWE, except continue to get buried time after time, however, by the WWE Raw and SmackDown roster, who don't want to have anything to do with you, because you're just basically boring and bland. Speaking of boring and bland, where in the hell is Buddy freaking Murphy? I mean, we've heard for the longest last few months, oh, he's coming, he's coming to SmackDown, he's trying to make an impact. Yeah, what's happened since he's dropped the 205 Live Cruiserweight title, however? What have they done with him along with Aleister Black? Last I saw once again on SmackDown tonight, they didn't do absolutely dick with either one of those guys. Great message you're sending there, Vince, you stupid, racist, bigoted, face of you-know-what, however, you 75-year-old, uh, rich millionaire, total moronic, uh, boop, let's just say. Because once again, you're just a pissing all over the town, Howard, and showing how much of an egotistical little, uh, egotistical and total, uh, uh, another, need another good e, e word to describe Vince, however. Uh, egotistical and how much of an, uh, eroding. Eroding, yeah. How much your shows are eroding because you're not bringing anyone to thank you. The shows are eroding every week, or basically dying every week. Because you don't put enough people on television like Aleister Black. You don't put Buddy Murphy. You don't put uh, Oscar. You don't put Kari Sane on television. Hell, you don't even put the stupid Iconics on TV, except on Ride Along, however, mind you. Or even Hawkinson Ryder. You have the same old boring, bland shit week after week on both Raw and SmackDown. Like, you're booking WCW, like, 1999 into 2001 and letting it slowly die more and more a painful death every week. And that's why you're pissing every fan off like me and everyone in the freaking WWE Universe and everywhere around the world. So once again, Vince, you little eroding piece of uh, racist... uh, So, once again, Vince, let me just say this. You are just absolutely, totally giving everyone uh, 
the shits here. And you're embarrassing not only the WWE Universe and fan base are, you're also embarrassing the entire company as a whole. And I don't care if anyone agrees with me or disagrees with me, and I know some people will probably do that, and they're entitled to their opinions. That's understandable, and I will respect that, and I'll respect their opinions too. But at the end of the day, Howard, tell me, Vince, what's going to happen come October 2nd, Howard. Tell me what's going to happen October 4th. Let me think. Oh, yeah, that's right. A certain group by the name of AEW is going to kick your sorry freaking little bony little bald rich millionaire so-called narcissistic ass however into the ground and stomp on it however that Wednesday and then on that Friday night however you're going to absolutely put on an absolute waste of a show however more than likely probably unless you have a good plan however for your first show when you televise Smackdown Live on Fox however so Vince you better be prepared in the next few months however that you're going to continue to get these lashings not only from me but just from out everyone in the WWE Universe worldwide and if you don't like that however if you have a problem with that however I have three words for you. Kiss my ass, okay? Kiss my effing ass, okay? And if you want to, Howard, why don't you just have your son, Howard, and you just stick your head up my ass, Howard, and take a big, nice, old, snowy whip. Because I'll tell you what, I'll shit in your faces, both of you, and I'll leave the marks, Howard, where the skin marks won't be able to leave you. Because it's not going to be pretty when it's all said and done. And I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one who says that. Believe me, I'm not going to be the only one. And speaking of embarrassment, dear sweet Jesus God, let's talk now. Sorry, I'm using the Lord's name vain, and I hope God you forgive me on this. But let's talk about John's girl now. Oh yes, the arrogant one herself, the god awful Alexa bitch ass bimbo bliss, and her little buddy, if you will, however, her so called Gilligan to her so called skipper, none other than Nikki. A crabby cross, however. And when I say crappy, however, because right now they are absolutely doing absolutely zilch crap with Nikki Cross, except burying her, however, to the point where she should just absolutely take her hand and backhand that little blonde-ass bitch all the way back to Columbus, Ohio, however, and basically stick up in a tree like a freaking Buckeye, if you ask me. Seriously, I am tired of Nikki Cross, however, getting buried every week by the WWE Universe, however, and by the fans, however, like me, however, but, and you know what, I have a reason to say that, because right now, however, every week Alexa Bliss says, oh, it should be about me, it should be about me, I should have my moment of bliss, I should have this, I should have that. No, Alexa, you're a five foot one inch blonde ass bimbo, however, who basically is made of glass, however, because you basically either crack too easily or shatter too easily, and you have very little talent in the ring, honey. Let's just say this, however. Is there a reason why we need to have your stupid ass fight Bailey again at Extreme Rules next Sunday? Do we really want to see you back in the ring with Bailey again, the boy and bland Bailey, however, and find a way to get back that title again? No, we do not. We want to see other people get an opportunity. Like I said, I mentioned the people who deserve a better opportunity like you right now. People like, like um, possibly like uh, uh, Ember Moon, like Sonya Deville even. Hell, even like freaking either Natty or someone else, however, maybe someone like, like I said, like Natty. Like I said, um, Ember Moon, like uh, Sonya. Hell, I mean, I'm not going to say Charlotte deserves it or anything like that, but let's have someone else. I mean, I wouldn't mind even seeing if Dana Boyne playing Brooke, however, will get a chance or someone else get an opportunity. But right now, the women's division is suffering, and suffering a huge, tremendous, big-time setback in a lot of ways. And whose fault is that? 
Oh, yeah. It's that stupid racist bigot, however, none other than Vince Millionaire McMahon and his little boyfriends, if you will, Kevin Dickbag, Douchebag, Bucky the Beaver Tooth Dunn, however, and his other little assistant, if you will, Michael P.S. Hayes, however, and the whole damn SmackDown writing team, as well as the Raw writing team, led by that little clown, Ed Kosky. Yeah, that's it, guys. Let's find a way to continue to slap the women around, Howard, and absolutely piss all over them. I mean, last night, Howard, and even tonight I heard, Howard, we could have had a women's tag match, Howard. But no, what happened this last week over in Asia? Oh, that's right. We had the Iconics lose to freaking Oscar and Kari Zane in Singapore and Tokyo. But did they make mention of that last night on either show, Howard, or even tonight on SmackDown? No, they didn't, because once again, Vince decides in his stupid infantile way, Howard, to slap the women around and absolutely rub their faces in the ground and bury them to the nth degree. Great thinking there, Vince, you stupid moron. But getting back to the women, let's talk about how bad this women's men. We had another women's match. We First, we had Carmella, the Jersey Shore hoebag, come out, Howard, and challenge Alexa Bliss after she showed up on the Moment of Bliss show, Howard, and challenge Alexa in a match. What happened there, Alexa? Oh, that's right, Howard. You lost in less than five seconds. Hell, I could have pissed on the freaking ceiling, Howard. I could have pissed in anyone's mouth, Howard, considering how bad that match was, Howard. That was the worst match of the night. Because this was an absolutely total crap-ass match. But then, what happens next? Oh, yeah. You decide, Alexa, to send your little lap dog in the ring, however, because you couldn't handle it earlier. And she ends up beating Carmella because you couldn't handle it earlier, showing how much of an arrogant little bitch you really are. Or should I say, how much of your stupid ego was, however. Because once again, however, you had to have your little lap dog do your barking for your bark, 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 basically, however, and find a way to beat Carmella. Then we had, of course, uh, the final segment of the 24-7 thing. I'm not going to say anything more about that because it was stupid again. Then we go to the main event. Ricochet versus AJ Styles 2, however. And what happens? First off, we thought AJ had won the match and the title, however, and had won for the second time in two weeks. But alas, the referee saw what happened, however, and so unfortunately the rematch restarts. But this time, however, who shows up for AJ Styles are, yes, his good brothers, if you will, of Gallows and Anderson. And as a result, however, AJ ends up pinning, uh, getting pinned, however, by Ricochet. As Ricochet got a little retribution on AJ after what happened last week. And just when we thought, however, the respect factor was there again for the second time in two weeks, however, alas, we were wrong. AJ and his good brothers, if you'll find a way to do a three-on-one beatdown on Ricochet, as well as the Styles Clash off the row power and set the tone and set the record straight to not only Ricochet, but the entire locker room that they are back and they are looking to strike with a purpose. Well, here's the thing about that. I hope they do something right with these guys. I've mentioned this before, and John heard me about this tonight on Revisited, and I will keep on saying this, hour, and I will say this in the coming days, and weeks, and months, and whatever, how long this lasts. I hope that they do right with all three of these guys. I think they needed to do something by bringing these three guys back together as the club. I hope it's a step in the right direction. There's been talk already that they're talking to try to re-sign Gallus and Anderson instead of letting them go out the door, which I hope they do. And if they don't, shame on them. But yeah, once again, overall, this wasn't a bad show. There were some good things about it. There were some bad, more bad, some bad things about the show. So it was kind of a mixed bag. Overall, however, with one week to go to Extreme Rules, you better hope that SmackDown was a little bit better tonight. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Of course, I did hear a couple things did happen on SmackDown, which I will get into talking about tomorrow night. But with one week to go to Extreme Rules, you better hope that next Monday's show for the Go Home Show in Newark, in one of the shittiest places of the world, New Jersey, however, is a good show. Because if you're not, however, you're going to be heading into Philadelphia in a big time uh, way, and that is not looking positive to say the least. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I give the show a 4 out of 10. 
Thank you very much, sir, JD. Uh, and like I said, John has added a couple more things here based on, of course, what JD has just now talked about here. Um, of course, he did, he did talk about Paul Heyman earlier. He said he hopes Heyman does more of the same, like he did last night. Uh, and John is saying here, of course, agreeing with what JD is saying here, even when Raw was, was good, Vince still does not like change. He still does not get it. He thinks the world, the whole world is against him. He knew that everyone like CM Punk, John Morrison, Alberto Del Rio, Chris Jericho, Sasha Banks, Dean Ambrose, Enzo and Cass, Goldust and Cody, Wade Barrett, Emma, AJ Lee, Ryback, Jack Swagger, Ty Dillinger, Damian Sandow, and others would find work elsewhere rather than work for him. So Vince screwed, so Vince screwed them all, but they showed Vince they can do better without him because Vince has lost all flavor. He's buried the entire town and has given Shane McMahon, Elias, and Revival, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans, Brock Lesnar, Drake Maverick, and others a free pass. While others like Nikki Cross, Bailey, Finn Balor, Apollo Crews, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev, Ember Moon, Sonya Deville, Asuka, No Way Jose, Buddy Murphy, Bobby Lashley, and others are being put down to the ground. And, of course, John's asking why, did, and he goes back to the same booking. Why is he doing that? Uh, and I'll tell you what, you, ego. He, he's, 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 one, thing, one thing, it's ego. And two, as I said, how are a few minutes ago in the icebreaker, and John even probably heard me say it too, however, and I will say this again, however, flat out. The thing is, though, he knows that October 2nd and October 4th cannot come here fast enough. And Danny says that every week, too, and we all kind of said the same thing. Right now, however, they better realize that on October 2nd, that Wednesday night, when TNT debuts their AEW show, however, However, considering I think that's a go-home show pay-per-view week for WWE, however, they better realize what AE, they're going to have to realize what AEW is going to do and where they're going to do their sh- They're going to have to realize a couple things. First off, they're going to have to realize where this AEW show debut show is going to take place, however, and who's going to be on the debut show, however, and how it'll go. That's one thing. Two, that Friday, supposedly the 4th of October, however, unless they didn't announce it however, a couple weeks ago in Los Angeles, however, they're supposedly going to be doing SmackDown Live, their debut show in L.A. at the Staples Center, which is, I believe, a go-home show however, before a WWE pay-per-view. Now, I think WWE is doing a pay-per-view, I think, in October, whether it's Hell in a Cell, whether it's uh, TLC. I know it's not TLC. I think it's either, it's not Night of Champions. I think it's Hell in a Cell. Or uh, what was that other paper they had back in the day in October? It's not, it's uh, not bragging rights. It was, but it was bragging rights. I remember that. And it's not that. I think it's hell in a cell. So they better realize how that week, first week of October, they got three shows to deal with. Their Monday night show, the Monday night before they go on the 4th of October, which again, as I said, I believe that's the debut night they go live on Fox, however, SmackDown Live, however. And I believe L.A. I think that's where they're going to have the show. I think I heard. Number one. Number two, they better realize that Wednesday night, October 2nd, how on uh, TNT or TBS, AEW is going to debut on that show, either 8 to 10 or 9 to 11. So they better realize that Wednesday night, how they're going to have to keep their eyes glued and peeled and see what AEW can do on that first show and how it'll come off, how They'll probably be thinking right now, oh, it's not big competition. Well, guess what, Howard? You take a look, Howard, what's going to happen, Howard, next week, okay? you got a show next Saturday, however. The next day, you got Extreme Rules. You tell me, however, a week from now, however, or at the end of ne- late next week, however, what will be the better show? What will people watch in a couple weeks? Will they be watching the July 13 AEW show, the Fight for the Fallen show? However, are they going to watch, however, your show, Howard, in Philadelphia, one of your bigger city markets, Howard? 
And then, like I said, tell me what's going to happen at the end of August there, Vince. You're going to be doing NXT UK, however, the same day AEW's doing All Out show. What's going to be the bigger people that are going to watch, however, that Saturday night, August 31st? What are people going to watch that Saturday night on the 31st? Are they going to watch your show earlier in the day? Or are they going to watch uh, the uh, All Out show in Chicago? I think they're going to watch the All Out show, and they're going to see a better product on the field, however, than you guys are doing with the NXT show in the UK. Although I do like the NXT UK show, like I said, this next two, these next couple months are right now the most criticalest part of your uh year by far if you don't step it up power you're going to find yourself more and more falling apart and who's going to blame you then and so who's going to find a way to say how you're going to, you're going to say whose fault was that who made that call who did this who did that well guess what vince that was your call my friend and guess what how are the fans going to buy into your excuses how and say however uh after you blame them they're going to say however oh you're going to blame them and say it's their fault no vince it was your fault, and your fault alone. You have no one to blame but yourself on this one. I would agree. I definitely would. Uh, John also says, how do you think they, he got the WWE Network? Was he wanted to relive the rivalries again with different superstars? Of course, a la WCCW from 87 to 88, WCW from 99 to 2001, and other things like that. John believes that behind the scenes, Vince, Shane, Stephanie are not given Triple H any sort of power. John, John's just saying that there is something in WWE that I wouldn't. I, well, let me let me tell you right now. First, first, first off, John, I wouldn't say Hunter. Well, Stephanie isn't because I think Stephanie's trying to scale back a little bit. I think she's doing more a little bit of promotional work for the company. I, I don't know. I don't know if she's doing more promotional work for the company now. However, like as an executive, I think she's doing a little bit more of mom and wife duty. I also think she's kind of trying to do a little bit of executive wife duty too at the same time with the company, with the charities and everything. I think she's trying to do that and not try to get back on TV this quickly or this soon, however, and dominate the landscape again. Uh, Shane is, I think, doing way too much every week. We don't need to continue to see week after week. Shane, tell ring announcers, Greg, uh, Mike Rome and Greg Hamilton, and tell them and address him as the best in the world. And he continues to just proclaim himself that. I mean, we are tired of hearing him saying, I'm the best in the world. No, Shane, here's an idea. You're not the best in the world, okay? You're just daddy's little soldier boy, however, who basically kissed his ass to get back on TV because you wanted to dominate the landscape again, like your daddy, Howard, did back in the day. And you think, Howard, that everyone should bow down and kiss your ass. Well, guess what, Shane? It doesn't work out that way, does it? Yes, you might be a good person off TV, however, from what I've been hearing, and some people have mixed emotions about you. But guess what? We don't need to continue to have you basically dominate our fucking TV for a half hour, two times a week, every week like you've been doing for the last four months. It's time for you to go away. It's time for you to either just step back, Howard, along with your dad, Howard, and let someone else run the show, like your brother-in-law, Hunter, or someone else, Howard. Otherwise, Howard, if, like I said before, and I want to keep on saying that I said it the last few weeks in the icebreaker, and I've said it offline as well as online on every show here on the radio network, Howard, as well as on and offline to you all, Howard, in the chat and wherever. If Shane is the new champion, once SmackDown hits, Howard, in October, Hour, then if I'm Fox, if I'm the WWE, if I'm the Fox, or if I'm the WWE fan, Howard, I'm telling you right now, I will pull out that television deal so damn fast. I would like to see Vince's just money drop down. I mean, if you remember, um, what's the movie I'm thinking of, Howard? There's a movie that saw money being taken out so fast, Howard. Oh, yeah. Uh, until, uh, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Daffy Duck's uh, Quackbusters. 
Okay, you remember how Daffy Daffy used to uh, was saying stuff about Cubish Tower and how his money started dwindling every time he uh, mm-hmm. had some negative things to say and he would drop his his money starts dropping like that. Guess what, Vince? That's what's happening to your company right now. You just don't see because you're a racist, bigoted piece of shit that basically finds a way to just absolutely slap everyone across the face and you think everyone should bow down and have their heads up their ass or basically kiss your ass and find a way to uh, just uh, give you a slap on the old. Uh, let's just say, behind. Well, guess what, Howard? Here's the thing about that, Vince. It's not working anymore, is it? No, it's not. That's why you're raising everyone is basically uh, finding a way to watch other stuff on TV. Yes, they're still supporting you, maybe it's somewhat, Howard, but at the end of the day, how's your fan base going there, Vince? Oh, that's right. Probably you don't care about it because you don't see the big picture. Look at what happened last week, okay? You drew 3500 Monday Night Raw last Monday night in freaking Everett, Washington. Not this not last night. A week ago Monday. You had 4,000 people a week ago tonight in Portland, however, just last Tuesday night. You had less than 5,000 people or 4,500 or maybe 5,000 people at stomping grounds. Did you care, Vince? No, you probably didn't care because you thought, however, it's no big deal. Well, guess what, Vince? It is a big deal. Let's see how many people you draw at Extreme Rules if you continue to do the same old shit that you've been doing, however, next Sunday. Tell me how many people are going to show up in Philadelphia for that show. You'll be lucky if you get maybe 10,000 people or maybe 8,000 people to come to that show, one of your bigger markets in Philadelphia. Then you tell me how much of a word and concern you'll be. Because I'm sure you'll say again, oh, it's no big deal. Well, guess what, Howard? If it turns out you'll have six to 7,000 people, maybe 7,500 people, or even less than that, Howard, maybe six, 8,000 people there in ever, next week, Howard, then you better find a way to fix the problem and fix it fast. I'll tell you right now, if you don't, Howard, you might turn out to maybe having one of the worst summer slams in recent memory, and your attendance will continue to drop everywhere around the world. And whose fault will that be, Vince? It'll be you, you stupid racist bigot. All right, thank you very much, sir, JD. Uh, to continue what John is saying here, Vince is okay, thank you, JD. Vince is spiraling into obscurity and watching the entire kingdom fall to the ground. He's just that desperate. If this burial continues, then all the superstars will say, Vince, thank you, but no thank you. We're done and finding some work. Sam Punk did say it best in June 2011. Vince is an egotistical yes man. He doesn't care what anybody wants. Why? Because of blood money. His father was rolling over in his grave. John would not blame any fan to come out with a machete two by four or throw toilet paper, of course, at Vince's house. Or heck, or John says, heck, if he had his way, throw a smoke bomb in his house. Or maybe rob the WWE headquarters and hold Vince hostage. Uh, hold the entire company hostage and tell him to switch raw to two hours and others, etc. But seriously, WWE right now, like we have always said, has taken a 100% fall from grace. Vince is not only physically abusive, but mentally abusive. John thinks that Vince is smuggling drugs to all the superstars that he's put over. John does John does believe he had an outside source um, kill Owen Hart and Chris Benoit and actually got away with it. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's all that, that's, that, that's you know, for the most part, that's what we can uh, say here. John says they let Triple H take Vince to NXT and see how he runs a show for once. Okay. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see what all happens with that here, folks. Indeed. Uh, before now, we... I was going to say, before we go, Howard, I'm sorry. Before we go, we know TNA is doing their Slammiversary show this Sunday. Okay. 
And I'm going to give everyone a heads up on that. First off, our, uh, let's see here. Like uh, I said, our, let's just see. I'll find out Hold on a second. Well, go ahead. I'll, I'll work on this, however. Okay. Well, like I said, John says the WWE does continue their bad ways in 2020 or 2021. It might be the death of WWE. Okay, here we go. I found it. There's seven matches this Sunday at Geely's Dallas Tower. Uh, mind you, Howard, uh, like I said, Howard, like I said. And there are seven matches, including Michael, Brian Cage versus Michael Elgin for the Impact World Championship, Rich Swan versus Johnny Impact for the X Division title, singles match Moose versus Rob Van Dam, next Taya Valkyrie versus Rosemary versus Sue Young versus Jessica ICKA Havoc, VOK. The Latin American Exchange, Ortiz and Santana with Conan versus the Rascals, Desmond, Xavier, and Trey Miguel with Zachary Wentz. Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanche in the Intergender match, which I do not get for that. And then Eddie Edwards versus Killer Cross in a First Blood singles match. Okay. All right. So, folks, there you have it right there. And since JD has brought that up, I may have an idea about that, but I may not. Uh, I'm going to take it over and I'll let everybody know. Uh, let everybody, let everybody know uh, about this idea, of course, com, coming up tomorrow night, of course, on Revolution. Um, John has John has asked us over and over if we would play the thing from uh, um, from a fish called Wanda and. Don't go near him. He's mine. <laughs> yeah. This this is this is what uh, Corey Graves should be uh, saying to uh, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, right now. Hi, hon. How you doing? Ooh, you look great. I love your hair. You have time for coffee? Oh uh, no, I've got to. Have you thought thing. about it though? One thing though, why did he give you this? Eileen Cody, 69 Basil what? Street. What did he want you to do? Send her flowers? Do her shopping? Show her a good time? Rub her out? <laughs> yeah. He's going to kill her! <laughs> or I'll kill you. Slimy fruits! Well, then he's gonna meet with an accident. Wasting old ladies isn't nice. John says, Vince, don't make us have to call the FBI. You're sorry, racist, bigot, but. Ooh. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens there, but uh, thank you all very much here indeed. Uh, and like I said before, before, and John says, all he's got for tonight. JD, anything else you wish to add before we close shop for the evening? I hope they have a plan. I'm, I haven't seen SmackDown yet. 
Well, sorry. Here live. Sorry about that. I hit it again. Uh, well, like I said, I mean, here it is, July 2nd. We're 12 days away, however, from Extreme Rules. I hope, however, SmackDown was good, but from what I heard, however, I'm not sure yet, however, but like I said, I just think right now that WWE is continuing to just continue to just head down the wrong way path more and more. And I mean, they tried to do a little bit better uh, last night with Raw. Like I said, it was a mixed bag, but let's hope SmackDown was a little bit better. I mean, I'll check the results, but from what I've been hearing, I don't know. Right now, at this point, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But like I said, I think right now they've got to do something, and they've got to fix it fast, because right now, more and more, it is just really like heading downhill. Indeed. There you go. Uh, thank you all very much, J.D. and John, of course. Uh, on and that I got note, a closing thing ready to go so we can waddle our way out. Thank you very much there, which, J.D. Which, by the way, every night we can waddle our way out because we have a very good theme every Monday or every night to close out usually with, and you'll see why. Absolutely. Thank you very much there, J.D. On that note here, folks, we thank you for listening here tonight to episode 691 of WWS Revolution. I definitely want to thank the Iceman, Jared DiGirolamo, also the Human Suplex Machine, John Gross. And even though he was not with us for a long, for, for, for a brief time tonight, I will also, of course, give my thanks to the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, for popping on here for a short time. Obviously, he had something he had to take care of, and apparently he was not able to stay on for the remainder of the show. So we'll hope to hear from him, of course, tomorrow night. Also, once again, from our live video feed from Ambrose Rollins Reigns Shield News, I want to thank Mr. Uh, Peter Altoff, Mr. Ken Reedy, Mr. Matt Han Wells, and Miss Charity H. Lamaster. I guess that's how you pronounce that. For uh, for joining us for our live video feed tonight for Revolution Episode 691, and of course check out the live video feeds for all the shows we've done here done in the past on all of our groups. Of course, check out the groups themselves on Facebook. Also, speaking speaking of groups, of course check out Bulldog DVD Sales. Facebook.com forward slash group sports slash Bulldog DVD sales. We take the we take the bite out of the cost so you can enjoy your your favorite uh, your favorite movies and TV and shows. I've seen some of the list of the new uh, videos, guys. Definitely worth checking out. Also, don't forget the Heaven Wrestling Federation page and the Captain Corners podcast on our own Captain Dave Spieler, who I believe last weekend uh, I believe it's just this past weekend, however. Just this last weekend, or I think it's coming this weekend, one of the two, I can't remember. It's back up and around, and he wanted me to tell everyone hello. And I think he was back at it this past weekend, so do not dare miss his uh, pages as well. Tell him, as I said, JD the Iceman sent you. Also, be sure to check out, of course, the eBay store, of course, the title Perpetual Uniquity Internet Retail for the Terminal. A lot of great stuff on there, indeed. Uh, the store is, I'll take a little bit of a hiatus this week. But, uh, but of course, by all means, still check it out. See what we have for the same items. Almost, of course, almost 300 items, of course, still posted there. Uh, classic Hot Wheels cars, video games for the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, PSP. Of course, Kiss and other rock and roll memorabilia. Also, men's, women's, and children's clothing. And, of course, while they still last, ladies and gentlemen, the DVDs, HD DVDs, and Blu-rays, of course, are your favorite stuff, everything. Ranging from all different genres of movies. To of course uh, TV series and also even a few wrestling ones as well. <clears throat> be, sure, be sure to check all that out. Of course, eBay.com forward slash str forward slash perpetual uniquity. Oh, and uh, one thing before we go on, uh, we, can, we can report, ladies and gentlemen, we have heard some sad news to report. Lee Iacocca 
the Chrysler CEO founder, as of tonight, has passed away at the age of 94, unfortunately. Thank you, Mr. J.D. We'll bring that more up on outside of the ropes tomorrow night at 630. Uh, but, of course, Perpetual Uniquely, P-E-R-P-U-T-A-L-U-N-I-Q-U-I-T-Y. Remember, Perpetual Uniquely, it is Internet retail for the eternally distinctive individual. Our thoughts and prayers will also go out to two families and friends of Mr. Iacocca tonight, a, a true pioneer in the world of automobiles, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> For the Iceman, Jared D. Geralmo, the human suplex machine, John Gross, and the heartbreak kid, Fonzie, as well as our friends from Ambrose Rollins Range Shield News tonight. This is Mr. WWS Chad Henshaw saying thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on, of course, with our Triple Threat Wednesday, of course, starting with Outside the Ropes at 6.30, 141-387-POUND. And then, of course, Wrestling Debate from 8 to 9, 139-925-POUND. And then, of course, we'll be back on with Revolution. <clears throat> um, I do believe our live video feed from that will be from, uh, yes, NWA US built on tradition. Uh, of course, we'll talk about the remaining matches from AEW Spider Fest, as well as, of course, talking about what happened tonight on SmackDown and other, thought, and other of course, involving our news and views and history and birthdays as well. Should listen in on that, of course, 138055 pound on that, indeed. Revolution episode 691 is a broadcast of the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are four years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling connection. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will see you in the ring. And as always, here in the WWS radio network right here on TalkShoe.com. God bless everyone. And, we, and, of course, since 2015, your source for everything in the world of wrestling and pop culture, this is, of course, the WWS radio network. And here is the Iceman with tonight's closing theme. All right, just a second here. Okay, here we go. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.